0: Good afternoon, good evening, good morning wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Con Host. I'm your host Diego together with my co-host Shanluk. Shanluk, I like the decorations in the back.
1: Yeah, so it's November and like I could show you show you the whole office, but there's already Christmas decoration up. And I Got a little confused and my colleagues started doing that, but they were like, nope, it's already Christmas. Like I'm like, November. We even have the World Cup first, but it didn't matter to them. So Christmas decorations are up. And I think there's slowly going to be piles of things underneath the Christmas trees as well as you get towards Christmas. So very joyful experience. Right. I, can't, I can't say uh, anything negative about it, just that it's just early. But aside from that, the experience is a very positive one.
0: Right, even the World Cup is something that's not very common this year. So oh, it's really weird. Interesting,
1: it's really weird, and it's seven o'clock. Our guests might even have it worse because that it's even even earlier in the U.S. But like we had to watch Argentina this morning at seven a.m. lose to Saudi Arabia, which was insane, but but well, well-deserved victory for Saudi Arabia as well. So it's interesting. World Cup in, in November and in December, it's definitely a different experience. But I think it's good. It, it gives us a little bit more of an idea what is possible. I think that's also a topic that we're going to touch upon a lot uh, today, that we're kind of like put in a certain structure as in, this is the way it's supposed to be without even considering other options. And I think that's something that it's good to take us a little bit out of the comfort zone. Because sometimes... So- like with a Christmas decoration, it actually kind of works
0: as well. Awesome. With that being said, what are we talking about today and who do we have with us? I know there's some book stuff coming. We've had a lot of a slew of guests introducing their books, but what's so different about today's?
1: So I'm, I'm going to do a short introduction on Jessie because I, the thing that really interests me about Jessie is that she... She's very involved with, with children in general, but also with special needs. And she has put out a couple of children's books and these aren't your ordinary children's books. These are really children's books that I think you'll take a little bit and I'm not going to, I'm trying not to spoil anything, what the books are about. So without further ado, let's, let's bring on Jesse. Welcome to Social Confluence, Jessie.
2: Thanks so much for having me here.
1: Yes. We're we're doing a, a, a little bit of an earlier show, so I is saying, hey guys, I'm I'm still it's still working time, but as always, you're able to watch this episode or listen to this on all streaming platforms as well. And Jesse, without revealing yet what the children's books are about, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and what were the things that you enjoyed doing when you were when you were younger?
2: Well, I was born in Bakersfield, California. And I moved later in time when I was like four years old to Colorado and kind of lived half and half in the area because I was a child of special needs with expressive language disorder. So my summers were spent in California doing ABCs one, two, three, math problems, all the fun stuff. And some of my bribery was like SeaWorld or Disneyland. Or I'd just get really cool toys. I guess majority of my life has now been in Colorado, but I did live in California again for a while. And then Florida. I've been a couple places. But what led to kind of my children's book stories, each one, I try to reach kids with special needs and anyone just learning to read because I was one of those children that couldn't read. I had to sit in bed, well, lay in bed with my mom and we'd take turns reading and she'd sit with me. Even when I threw the book and got frustrated and didn't want to do it anymore, she would still go, here we go, because she's a special ed teacher. And now, if we go to present day, I work in a school setting with kids with special needs and an after school program slash summer, spring, winter camp thing of kids with special needs. So special needs is a part of my everyday life.
0: Wow, that's interesting. I'm really curious to know, because it started with reading, right? Uh, le- le- getting a hang of reading, learning to read. I'm curious to know, like, how that transitioned into you now writing. Is it like, do you write differently? Or how does that, you know, having experienced that learning curve, that learning process as a child, to na- you now writing books for children with special needs or uh, t- children in general?
2: For me... I started writing poetry when I was, I guess, between five and six years old. I don't know the exact age in my biography. I say six, but I honestly don't know whether it was five or six I wrote my first poem. And then my poetry book is my first poem. And like Who You Are, which is one of my books, sprung from a poem in order to become that book. But I write simple. Even my poetry is simple. So it can still read. An adult's special needs. It can read. It's still general public. Anyone who's learning to read. I write simple. I don't focus on what I'm doing. I just take, oh, hey, this could be a story. If I see it fits, like if I can introduce one of my books, Super Gay.
1: Yeah, sure. Go <laughs>
2: ahead. Super Gay was also a poem before it became a. Poem. I had to add a lot to it because it actually went through a ruling process. Oh. Review before the review. And I added pages, so it's not quite the same poem was originally versus who you are is still the poem was originally just has a character name and only different.
1: Okay. So, so just to take us a little bit back when, when you were young and you had struggled with reading, so in the end, did you, did your, your mother figure out what the issue was or what the thing was that was
2: struggling with, you were struggling with or was holding you back. She knew something was wrong, just coming from her standpoint, being a teacher of special education. So she talked to my kindergarten teacher who had me go through kindergarten twice. And I went through a bunch of testing. And then they decided, hey, you have expressive language disorder. You need to be in special needs classroom. So in a special needs classroom, at least when I was there, it's changed. And there wasn't a difference between like those who are mentally challenged And someone with a language or a learning, because mine was language and learning, Um, they were all combined. So we would get the same treatment, would be the same therapy throughout the day, the same everything, same cue card. It wasn't any different until I hit fifth grade, because I was in it majority of my life through kindergarten to even college. I still was within the special education system and still was getting help outside of places because yes, I can read. I still struggle with grammar and spelling, but funny enough, like in the classroom that I work in and have worked in there's Spanish speakers and who have language delays too, I tend to understand them better than your average person or even just a Spanish speaker themselves or someone who, I don't know. I guess that's just the way it ended up going. Being a person lack thereof language.
0: Well well, yeah, communication and language is just a way to convey message and or the way we communicate, words is just a part of it. Language, like spoken language, is just one part of it. So have you maybe found that your experience has given you, as you said, the Spanish teacher, you, you can understand where they're coming from and try to understand that better. Have you gained an advantage or insight on, you know, the other types of way we signal or communicate aside of spoken language to help you within your communication?
2: Yes, it's more of, uh, I'm able to understand their perspective because I grew up, you still get the same treatment, even if you're a Spanish speaker, there is programs. And if you speak French or any other language... But sometimes others are still behind. And to me, I feel like someone who has gone through the ringer of special education, you still get kind of put into those classes I just have an understanding of I've been there and I get it and they get, they gravitate towards me naturally, it's not a force. Oh, coming to you. So what would you, what would
1: you consider the biggest misconception about, about special needs? And special needs class
2: well number one is thinking that they're stupid and number two is the misconception of believing they can't do the same thing you can do i've proven a lot of people wrong i was told i would never be able to write a book i have a poetry book three children's books out right now i do have a spanish version in the works of who you are coming out they're right there that's going against the grain and there's some wonderful advocacy adults out there that are special needs like alice wong she's an woman who is special need but she's an activist she has two books out one she had a bunch of writers go and the other one's just her life story a memoir which I still have to read but I love her so much she's fighting for rights that you don't hear about like all under the radar because you assume if someone's in a wheelchair oh they can't do that if someone has a speech delay which I technically counts in that category. They can't have a conversation with anyone. There's so much that I guess people have preconceived notions about and don't educate themselves about it that it's kind of upsetting sometimes because you have to fight that even well educated educators. I dealt with last year in a school setting I was in, even they weren't educated enough. The one setting I'm in now is very educated educators it's nice to be around educators that do educate themselves but it's important
1: too it's just interesting because like with a lot of we're from quite a small community It's, it's just over half a million and what we often see here is that the biggest advocates for these special needs programs are often the parents of the children that actually have somebody that is in special needs and it can be a variety of things like it could even be autism or something or something like something a less familiar special needs and I'm wondering like as, as you grow older because you've seen a couple of different generations now in different decades have you noticed that in, in the U.S. there is gradually more shift towards awareness and better understanding of different kind of special needs and like you mentioned in a program in, in the beginning like when you grew up Everybody was just put into one class and it's like, okay, they, they, they need a face, sort of, instead of, okay, this is a different kind of special needs than the other person. So have you, do you feel like there's, there's growth in that sense of awareness? And also, is there also from a more national perspective, is there a body or an organization that helps out aside from the parents who are the first ones to to seek,
2: seek help? I feel like. There is education out there, but not enough. Like, yes, it's there, but it's still under the radar extent. Like you might hear a little bit about it. Like even I know the LGBTQI community, which I'm also a part of is trying to spread more awareness within that too, but it's taken decades to make it this far and still there isn't enough. Yes, parents are part of the step up, but. They're not the only ones. Teachers are, too. And actually, my after-school organization I'm a part of, Imagine Colorado, they do a great job advocating and educating. So if we go, because that's about going out in the public, you really get to see a good point of view of how well-educated people are. And most are not and will not listen to you in public if you're asking them to, hey, can you just not do this right now i can handle this even with a badge they don't always listen because people are still afraid of what they don't understand because someone can be dangerously cognitively delayed or anything like that and just be walking around because they need to walk around you don't hear about the number one one you hear about honestly is autism and that's not the only one in existence i bet you never heard about mine Excessive language disorder. There's a lot out there. A lot of people have not heard about. There's even a lot I haven't heard about, that I'm still educating myself because people don't understand a child, whether they see themselves as disabled or not, that's up to them. That's their own individual choice. I personally don't see myself that way. They get put in a category automatically that kind of not too many people are educated in, so trying to think of one of the ones no one's really heard about besides my own because you have a combination of mental health learning and just disability i'm going to do that disabilities oh someone in a wheelchair is the only example i can think of because that's the most common one people see but there are people in a wheelchair that can get up and walk i've seen on tiktok which i'm on the side of which is special needs disabled tiktok i've seen trying to educate but you don't get as many views on there or as many likes or as many anything. So just trying to get the education out there is hard in the first place.
0: So you just mentioned TikTok and I think before we started, you also mentioned, you know, you're on TikTok as well, pushing your book content on there. So from an educator's perspective and especially a special needs educator, how do you see the role in social media and with your platform of choice, TikTok, play out in in that process of educating children and just the populace in general about the topics you're talking about, the role of social media?
2: I think it plays a really important role. I've heard both sides, even from other educators and just the people I work with every day. But I feel it's important because you can spread more awareness on social media. You can reach more people from everywhere, not just the United States. And you actually get to see the statistics of who you're reaching. Like on YouTube, I was surprised to see India and India on my books too. Let's see statistics there. I didn't expect that. The UK and the United States. It's just nice to really get it out there because you don't know the education system there or how much they know. All you know, all I know is the United States. It's my only educated area. And I'd like to be more widespread or when I do do social media. And as more of my books come out, I would like to help with the awareness spreading. So I'm still continuously learning myself and educating myself to better myself and reaching every generation and everyone.
0: Is there a particular reason you chose to go with TikTok and YouTube compared to something more mainstream like Facebook?
2: Facebook, honestly, kind of as a dev system depending like it's great for if you're doing like online teaching actually doing groups but i'm not really into doing that if i do just on my website which also goes towards special needs and creators and all the little people i guess you count as those that are kind of there but not fully but i just don't feel like Facebook's a great platform, or at least what I do, it's probably great for other people, but not going to reach who I want to reach. And TikTok reaches whoever is watching and you never know who is watching. And YouTube is the same way. You just have to know YouTube algorithm. That's the only harder part on that. Other than that, TikTok, you don't need an algorithm. Just Random people can watch.
1: (laughs) Now, when that's interesting that you mentioned, because you mentioned India, the UK. So I, I was wondering now that of course your content is seen by like multiple countries and of course, English is kind of like a common language in, in the rest of the world, so most people are able to, to listen to what you're saying. Has there been like a, a, a moment where you were surprised to hear like somebody from another country be like, hey, it's the same here or that you would have somebody saying like, hey, yeah, that's not normal in our country. Have you experienced that kind of situation already?
2: Not yet, but I would love to, because that brings an open conversation and more learning. So I would love that to happen, honestly, but it hasn't happened yet. I've only had recently, which I haven't known how to reply to yet. Someone from Africa that wants to purchase my books, but can't get it sent over there. So I'm trying to come up with a solution where I can get it to this individual because they want to purchase my book. So oh, That's I'm pretty cool. Not
1: yeah, well, we have the same problem in Suriname. It's it's not the easiest road. You have to have a PO box, and then you have to get it yourself from the US to to here. Which in some cases you pay more than the actual book to to get it transported. But it's it's very interesting that that you mentioned part about. There's a whole different community that we don't know about. For instance, I've done a session with the deaf community in, in Suriname and, and about social media and. They're like things that I never thought of that were important to them because they don't hear the sound of anything that I don't value as much. And when you realize and you watch social media from their perspective, you realize how different they think about certain, about certain things. So I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there for, for people. You've mainly spoken about the, the, the speaking disorder. So how much are those books Uh, How much are your books geared towards that specific special needs versus other special needs as well?
2: It's honestly geared towards everyone with special needs. I work with deaf too. Deaf just is, I really want to be able to reach them. So I'm working on like, even for my TikToks, I haven't made it there. Even YouTube too. Just having words written on the screen. Thankfully, my books do work for someone who's deaf because all you do is read the pages. If they have any advice, I will happily take it because it's coming directly from them. Other than that, yeah, it's for everyone. It's not a specific group of special needs or disabled people. It's everyone. It can be a 40-year-old with Down syndrome or it can be someone who's deaf that just wants to read. It's simple reading, but it teaches you still. There's still phonetics within there. Which is a huge part of the learning system, which I didn't even realize I did. That just naturally happened. Yeah, and then well, when well, I got that was, was
1: going to be my question: How did you get inspired to, you know, to experiment with those kind of cognitive skill sets to to kind of like push and motivate people to to do a little bit more? Like, how do you incorporate
2: that in in, in the books? I just write. So I just literally do my poetry, like who you are, which will go more in depth later in time. This time I will. Who you are was just created by someone pretty much telling me who to be, which you do get that even special needs. You told who to be instead of being whoever you want to be, whoever that might be. And that poem came and sprung. And then honestly, super gay, because I am part of the LGBTQI community, I'm part of multiple communities, which is normal for anyone of special needs. I wanted to talk about pronouns, but I didn't want to do it in the way that everyone else did it. It just was a poem that was inspired by my friends. One of them I actually work with that I still count as a good friend. She's part of Imagine and Imagine Colorado. And then the other one I worked with at Amazon and he just called me super gay when I went to my first parade. And so as a joke, I definitely have him thank you because he helped inspire it and the outfit that is seen on Supergay as the same outfit I wore with exception of SG on it the day of the parade. And he was funny because he just went, you're super gay. And I just kept on joking throughout the day doing flights. of I'm super gay to the right red And then I actually wrote the poem that night. And then I started the editing and I worked really hard to find an illustrator that was meeting the needs that I wanted specifically for the book. I even sent out a wanted page and I looked at hundreds of artists and I asked for an example besides the one they showed me on only three specific ones. I had to cut it down to three. And then from there, I tested out each one to see how they were going to do the cover. If They listened to what I said because I had a specific image in mind and only one met those needs and was easygoing. And that will be the same illustrator for the rest of the series, just like my other book, Who You Are, same illustrator.
0: So we've talked about like writing and you just mentioned illustrations. You got inspired to basically work with an illustrator as well. So especially when it comes to writing for children, like that visual element helps a lot to, you know, convey meaning to the words you're reading as well. So over the years or like, what's different? Because you said you, your focus now is writing for children, but you, you kind of can branch out into any direction. So what's different for writing for children compared to if you would write a fantasy or for a, a, an, an older age group?
2: Well, right now I'm in the works of a young adult for LGBTQIA. And the only difference is words. Honestly, there's more words versus if you're writing for children, less words are better unless you're doing like a chapter book for an older child. But I don't write necessarily for the older child unless they have a need there. and need it simple. So more words. And you do more description is about the difference because I'm also writing a memoir of my time in a cult, but that's, this will be out much later in time. Anyway.
0: <laughs> that's an interesting title drop there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so now i really, because that's also something we, we haven't touched upon yet, today you also studied psychology. So, so, and, and it's a funny thing because I joke around with a friend a friend of mine, because she was always interested in like how other people thought and she ended up doing psychology. So I was like, oh, so basically you wanted to research yourself. Kind of the same fun story they pushed back at me when I, when I talk about, I studied leisure studies. So they're like, oh, so you know how to, to spend your leisure time quite, quite well. I was like, yeah, sure. But in, with psychology, it's really when you combine the psychology with the, the special needs, what are, are there certain characteristics or things that you notice, like for instance, are you more vulnerable to join a cult when your special needs are, is that completely not connected whatsoever?
2: I can debunk that pretty fast. Anyone is susceptible to a cult. So anyone, you don't have to be special needs. You don't have to have anything. You just have to have a willingness. Sometimes it could be to helping others. Sometimes it can be just a willingness to, which I believe large percentage, unless you're a narcissist, which most cults are run by narcissists, again, unless you're a narcissist. So you'll be the one running the cult if you're the narcissist. But most people are prone. Everyone is prone. There's no one that can't be prone. Even the president of the United States can be prone to joining a cult. And sadly, in the United States, we have thousands and thousands. I think it's up to like 90,000 cults running. In today's world, so cults can literally be a business. Like we were, that was a cult. It can run like a business. It can be of church relations. Cult. Sadly, we only do the stereotype of church relations. Cult can be anything. Yeah, well, the legislation legislation sometimes.
1: Legislation uh, helps sometimes as well, facilitating, facilitating the cults as well. So that's also. It's also well. It's. There's pluses and minuses. I mean, on one side, you have a lot more freedom. On the other side, it, it also creates structures where, where these kind of things are, are pretty much plausible, I guess.
2: But it's not safe. The thing, well, legislation hasn't done anything. There's a law that I've been watching to get passed about coercion in general that hasn't passed. The only one that can ever get a cold is if there's abuse happening or if it's a sex. That's the only way you'll ever get caught. So you can literally get away with murder. So to me, it's a handle. I don't care what yeah. anyone says. I've educated myself and I've been there myself. Unfortunately, not I enough. just
1: watched a Netflix series on that. So <laughs> i trusting that you brought that up. So a quick question from, from one of our viewers is, at what point, how did you know this is your passion? Or at what point in, in life did you realize like, hey. This is something that I want to do for the rest rest of my life.
2: The second I was told I can't, was the second that this passion kind of came obsessed with reading, writing. And then I started my own business actually longer ago than it shows on any of my profile pages. Like 15 years ago, at least, I started my publishing company by a different name. And I just want to be able to help those that want to write, whether they're verbal, nonverbal, deaf, line i don't care <laughs> i want their story out there because alice wong is the only one of special needs right now that i'm aware of that doing well within the writing business i guess besides myself too <laughs> within the writing business and sending the message and educating others on it and i want more out there there's thousands and millions of stories untouched right now
0: you just mentioned that you started your own publishing company. Was this did you publish your first book before that or after that? Or what's your first book through your own publishing company?
2: Sadly, it was through the cold. But if I go over the rewrite, it would be my poetry. It's my first, the lit soul, my journey back to faith.
0: Right, and like because you'll
2: still sadly see it on the internet, so I can't get <laughs> there. You go,
0: and like. How seeing it from a publisher side, like what, what what challenges did you see for writers on getting their work out there from a publishing standpoint that you kind of like, I, I I really want to help these creators, these writers get their stories, their messages published. Like what what's your what was your approach to publishing?
2: Well, do it first is my approach. That's why you see me going in many different genres. Uh, because for one, I do get bored staying in one category. You can even tell by the fact. Show my other books or should I wait? Oh we no! You can no, show no, go ahead. Yeah. We
0: can't go ahead. Show this is this yeah, is your show. <laughs> yeah.
2: So last week,
1: last week we had somebody on who was actually a, uh, a professor who also has written a novel. A novel. So I mean, like it, it goes goes all spectrum. So feel free to share whatever you want. <laughs>
2: Well, Colorless, which is out today, which is part of the Who You Are series. Mm-hmm.
0: Out today as in, you, you like out to the public, uh, like it's a new.
2: It's a new, it came out literally today. Uh, it's funny when I chose a podcast <laughs> today. awesome. awesome. Today.
1: So we'll plug it in as well.
2: So, yeah, if you look at this, which there'll still be a third book to it, this illustration story-wise, I counted as my straight-looking story, so... She's not straight. We go from here, and then do you see the difference? And just writing the, from here, because this is like a comic style a yeah, series. It's a series, though, just like Who You Are is a series, but the styles are different. I don't like staying because even well, a lot of people, special needs, a lot of people in general can't stay. Or you can use my Gemini ness. Some people might use that as an excuse, but it's really not. I just don't like staying straight on the same boring thing because I get bored too and I want to write what I'm passionate about and what I think others will be passionate about too.
1: So where does that, where, where does it start? Because you mentioned you get a lot from poetry. So uh, do all books start off as, as poems and then you gradually build them up from there or are there other instances where you had a different pro- approach as well?
2: Actually the book out today was a different approach because Super gay and who you are are poetry-based. This one was just from my head. It's about Black Lives Matter. I wrote it the day of, so it was in 2020 when I wrote it. I wrote it about, I don't know, the day that the march happened on Washington and a couple other areas in 2020 during COVID. Kind of the Black Lives Matter march. I thought in my head, so how would a child see this? So I took my main character, Jalen, from Who You Are. And sadly, which I saw on TikTok, not well rhetoric in that area. I did name my main male Black character Martin, but I couldn't come up with a name. But we also have Martin Luther King Jr. actually in the book. So I didn't mean to do that. I learned after the fact that it was already published, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> my mistake. But it still gets the perspective in there and it kind of shows coming together as children.
1: It's interesting because I'm going to talk from my own personal experience. I was colorblind until I was 18. Like I, like for instance, we in Chernav, we grew up with a lot of different cultures. So we're known for having a synagogue next, next to a mosque. We're known to having big influence from India, from Indonesia, from African, uh, African countries, from Europe. So we have like a melting pot, like that's what Suriname is known for. And of course, there's at a certain point, there's, all, all, there's always institutional racism. But for us, it's a little bit far away because after slavery was abolished, we got migrant workers from different countries in, from all these different countries. And they've lived together for over 100 years. And of course, there is a a cultural and ethnic power struggle among the biggest groups, but the smaller groups, they have lived like this forever. So when I was around 18, I was kind of colorblind. So I wasn't very much aware that there was racial tension between different races. And then I went to study in the Netherlands where there still was a predominant race compared to the others. And there was a clear distinction between the predominant race, which was the the whites, basically the Dutch, and others, immigrants and others from coming from outside. And there were actually specific names to distinguish them. And I it really was a thought process for me. But until I was 18 years old, I didn't have a I was colorblind. So it's very interesting that you mention like what's the perspective from, from for a child, because for a child, the, the only way that they make a racial distinction. Is somebody put it in their head that there has to be a racial distinction? So it's really interesting. Want to see how how that kind of changes the perspective of how it's done? So I want us to be really interested to to read more about in the book. So could you tell us a little bit without spoiling the story? A little bit more about about colorless.
2: Well, Jalen, the main character, so right there. Well, they're both main. That's why they're both on here. But Jalen is the one carrying the series. She is on social media. That's kind of how it begins. And see the march happening and the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And she takes that to heart and kind of leads into, I have a teacher in there, because that's important to me. Grown up with teachers. Teach myself. I've claimed that position. But she just internalizes it and wants to better educate herself. And she has a friend. Is Martin. Again, I apologize for the name. What she does this? Well, on TikTok, wow. literally, yeah. there's people ranting about that. Yeah, I think this
1: is one, like, when it comes to the fictional stories, even if it's part fiction, the hardest thing, I think, for a writer is to come up with names. Yeah. And, and I was in a writing room, like, a couple of weeks back, where a writer was like, hey, I think I messed up the chronological order. Because he was re- he was writing multiple books at the time, and he kind of he realized that in an earlier book he had already given a certain character a certain name, so he could in a newer version not change it around. So it's like, whoa, that's that sounds really complex, and that's why I only <laughs> write write nonfiction because that would be so much of a headache. But I can completely understand. I if I think about Martin, there's there's two Martins I think about. One is my friend who has a, has a restaurant next door and the other one is is Martin Lauer's the actor those are kind of the two is that the first I wouldn't even consider Martin Luther King before those two so it's interesting to see how kind of your personal reference kind of shapes what you think when you hear a certain name but having both Martin Luther King and Martin the character in the book I can totally understand why people will get that confused
2: yeah and well I'm glad that you think honestly. I'm hoping other people people they're close to that they think of first. Cause Martin, that is all I could think of in the moment, and I wanted the story out as soon as possible. It just took me a couple years to get all illustrations done because my illustrator, she takes a lot of time. She's actually over in Europe. My I have an American illustrator for Super Gay, but for my Who You Are series, uh, she's over in Europe and she takes A week or two just to do one illustration so it can take a year to two years just to get the book out with super gay it took six months or less because it takes two days to three days most sometimes a week depending on how things are going with the artist but it always is based off of first editors which can take Some editors I've had take a week, some editors take a month. So it really depends on the editor, which I try to stay consistent. in the same one, I found one that I really like, who also edits all my medium articles, I literally try to stick with people I like and people that just I work well with, but yeah. So so quickly
1: to, to continue on that note, another watch pure question. How do you keep motivating yourself to finish the writing and how does it feel after you've done writing? Oh, because today, for instance, your new book is out. So how does it feel? How does it feel to have a, a new book, book out on Amazon, a new book available for, for purchase? What What's the feeling?
2: It feels really good. Honestly, it's therapy for me when I write. So whenever I finish, even if it hasn't gone through editing, illustration, everything that it takes to get a book out there, I just feel really good. And I feel really energetic, like a lot of people I work with might be able to tell the difference I don't know I've never asked them but I tend to be full of more energy all day and all night sadly I get lack of sleep because of how good I feel and that can last up to a week for myself just finishing writing but then I tend to write throughout the week because of this therapy for me so if I need my natural high I'll just write on a flip. and my motivation to keep me writing is the fact that I love writing it's part of the way I communicate to people that's how I started my communication was poetry. When I was five or six years old when I couldn't do a simple sentence of, Hi, how are you today? That was hard for me. So a poem was easier for me to talk to someone versus actually talking to them. Just like I prefer text when I talk to people. I prefer having still that <laughs> Have there been any
0: writers, poems that kind of influenced the the way you approach your writing, or kind of like, yeah, basically that inspired you?
2: Yeah, I have a. Well, I'm obsessed with Shakespeare, but Shakespeare's it's- not our today writer. Alice Wong would be one for me, if I have to go with today. Also, who else? I have a couple. His name is Matthew. I don't remember the rest of it, but he was—he died early in his life. He actually had his sister died early, too. He wrote huge poems just about being a helper of God. I used to have them, but I was part of the Marshall Fire, so a lot of stuff I had, I don't have anymore. So I can't show you physically the book. But he had a whole poetry series where he just writes about helping others and spreading awareness. And...
0: I'm actually curious about Shakespeare, because, you know, Shakespeare's very renowned, yeah, uh, you, you, you learn about that uh, last time I was high school, English class, you need to read some, it's very not, old not English, really... so I, I'm curious yeah. to know you know, that because uh, the words aren't easy as well. So like, what about Shakespeare kind of intrigued you or like influenced you?
2: Well, first, the first gay person in history that wasn't recognized as gay until way after his death. And he had women acting on stage anyways. He didn't care. His lineage gave him a play stage. I, again, obsessed. I know a lot of facts about him. He had women acting as men before women acting as men happened. He was an innovator. And for some reason, he was the first piece of literature I ever understood. Funny, and that was the first thing I could read. I okay, couldn't perfect. read all the special me books. So I did become obsessed. I still am not as hardcore as I used to be, but I still am obsessed. So anytime anyone brings up Shakespeare, I don't shut up. But...
1: Okay, let's let's yeah. that's the favorite Shakespeare favorite
2: story. Favorite? Yeah. Going to be A Midsummer's Night Dream and Much Ado About Nothing. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what you do about nothing is definitely also on top now. I had a hard time with reading for different reasons than yours, but I also had a hard time with reading. And for me, it was you're kind of pushed through the education system to read certain types of books. So in, in high school, we had like different categories. And for your exam, you would have to read. Three, you're only allowed three bestsellers and then three had to be African Caribbean and three had to be, I think classics. So like Shakespeare and other kind of books. And then the three were, were a different category, European or, or American. And I didn't like the books. Like on, up until that point, I hadn't finished a complete book because I, they were boring me. And the biggest problem was. Like you could get like like small like online you could find like summaries, but of course for the African Caribbean books there were no summaries because there was nobody who wrote (laughs) a summary on Caribbean books that was free available online. So I heavily struggled. Yeah, this is all pre-social media, so I heavily heavily struggled with getting my grade up because when it came to those books, I just hadn't I hadn't read them. And then after I graduated high school, I came into touch with Paulo yeah the, the Brazilian writer, uh, and, and right. I just kept read, reading all his book, like one by one. I kept reading them. a similar experience with what's the Canadian Canadian writer again? Ordeigo. Yeah, book name. I'm
0: not too well versed in the author.
1: David and Goliath, outliers. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Very similar experience. So. I, I also feel like there's certain books that, certain writing styles that personally you enjoy more. So it's really interesting for you from you to hear that actually it was Shakespeare, which kind of was the one that you had most affinity with. And which kind of leads me to my final question. How much does music play a role in this? Is there a connection as well with music and, and writing and reading?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because poetry can become music. I'm working on that side of things too. fully yet. but poetry, music, music, it's still the same exact thing as if you were to write a book. You could literally, if you write poetry or anything, you can write lyrics. That's lyrics. Ultimately, if you write, you do everything we do today from what you watch on TV, what you listen to, there's even musical notes that once you learn how to scribe and write, you're writing ultimately. And my whole goal is to get everyone special needs for people that own their own businesses or are, I don't know, like voice actors. I know that's part of my categories that I'm aiming towards too, that want to write their story, whether that's musically or in a book it doesn't always have to be a book or a tv series or something that's just a way of going hi how are you today that's a way of expressing yourself like dana terrace she has the owl house which is the first lgbtqia children's series she expresses her own self and even just like shakespeare did in all his plays she puts herself in the animated series for a little small role shakespeare did that too on stage so i really like her as a everything writer and lizzie jane as a, a writer of music, she's in the EVM world, so you might not have heard of her, but Lizzie Jane, all the way, who's also a friend.
1: Now I still have one, qu- I have one more, because you're talking about also writing a, a biography, autobiography, right? So is that going to be in poem style, or is that going to be like a traditional book?
2: It's traditional like medium that I also write on, which are a bunch of articles. It's definitely in traditional form. And the biography is traditional form. I just have never written my own memoir before. So it's a learning curve for me right now, (laughs) like the YA book. both learning curves right now, we'll see how they end up, but everyone will definitely get informed when it comes out, but it's a learning curve. But if I feel like I want to be able to teach. Everyone who wants to tell their story, especially those special needs voices that aren't out there yet, whether they want to do it in memoir form, young adult, fantasy, children's books, I need to write it myself so I can go, hey, this is what I've learned. This is where you shouldn't go and help them. That's my ultimate goal is to be able to do that. So I'm learning right now.
0: Are there any books that are... Books on your wish list that you're currently reading or wanting to read, like uh, at the moment, like top three,
2: top three. Well, I really want to read right now. Year of the Tiger by Alice Wong have it on my list. But I'm right now reading Clementine, which is written by the same writers. Of, oh, I can't think of the popular show, but zombies. But it's zombies. Q I A about people killing zombies and stuff. I don't remember the name of it, but. Clementine is the name of the graphic novel I'm reading, which is meant for the LGBTQI community. I really wanna read more books there. I've only gotten to so many so far. I think I've read maybe 10 so far. I'm trying to get better in my rhetoric of even that since I am a part of it and didn't come out until three or four years ago. So I'm getting myself better educated there at the same time so I can get to everyone. Interesting. And ha- how much, as a writer yourself,
0: would you say you read? How many books do you read per year, uh, on on average?
2: Like thirty to forty. I'm a pretty slow reader, so I don't read fast. That's including but it's still 30, thirty to forty.
1: No, impressive. Really impressive. It's it's really. Uh, yeah.
0: I got like it's, maybe five or yeah, six for that to know. Like
1: I can't even come up to one book a month. Yeah. It, it's very impressive.
0: And are these Thank spread uh, across genres like fantasy, nonfiction, children? Is it spread out, or is there like a leaning or a preference to one or the other?
2: It's definitely spread out. I used to not be into memoirs, but there's too many good it, authors out there. Like, how
0: would you describe a memoir weird. for people not familiar with the term? Like,
2: just your life written. Well, you can be specific categories. Like I told you, I'm doing a specific category memoir. Or you can do your life. Like Alice Wong is just doing her life as an advocate. Maybe later in time, I'll do a different memoir. But for now, for educational purposes, because to me, that's so important. I'm doing that one because even there, there's not enough education. In Medium, I try to write as many articles and reach as many people as possible as I'm also writing my books. And Plot Twist children series on YouTube. But.
0: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so I think Diego, it's time for some overrated, underrated. Basically, we throw something at Jesse and she tells us it's overrated or it's underrated and why you can also say it's properly rated. Of course, you can go into detail, but you don't have to necessarily.
0: Diego, do you want to go first or you want me to, to go first? I think we can let the audience go first. Okay, sure. And that, that
1: is... That's probably an overrated, underrated. over
0: overrated under from the audience is... Audiobooks underrated or overrated?
2: Underrated.
1: Yeah. Okay. That was a, an easy one. I'm going to throw one out with a double at just just for the fun of it. The color purple, underrated or overrated?
2: Underrated. I love the color purple.
0: And for me, The alchemist. Is that overrated or underrated?
2: Overrated. Oh. Automatically overrated. <laughs> I actually share that I, up
0: I read... <laughs> It was on my reading list so long. And once I read it, like, okay, that was it. Yeah.
1: I, I, I share no, that sentiment. I don't, I, I unfortunately cannot agree with you both because it relates to me a lot. And it's also one of the reasons why I'm with my wife. So I, I, I don't have the same experience with it, but that's also because there's a very personal relationship between the book. My wife doesn't like Paulo Quiller the way I do, but for me personally, that book played a very important part in my life. So that's interesting, but I can totally accept it that, uh, that in general, that book's overrated, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to ask the same question, but this time I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Purple as a color. Overrated or underrated? Of oh, the color. Yeah. Verbal so or underrated?
0: Underrated. All right. And then I got one more. Ah, I, I got what interesting here. Ready Player One. Overrated or underrated? The movie and the book. If
2: you had to. Movie remember. and book? Yeah. It's hard because the movie's underrated and the book is overrated then interesting i was <laughs> expecting the other way around yeah that's really interesting yeah so, so to elaborate a little bit what what makes the movie underrated there's not enough hype about it like i could literally rewatch the movie a hundred times and i did i listened to the book on audiobook because i do audio too i don't do just physical book i don't just do kindle but i listened to the entire book ready player one i do have ready player two on my which i will audible which i'll eventually listen to i just want to get through some other ones first but there's like more sex talk in the actual book itself and it has nothing to do with the storyline i even was through that chapter like why did the author write that in here it makes no sense it has nothing to do with anything it's just teenage boy hormones of almost two full chapters of it like you could have put so much more background And ideas to the character that I just kept going, Why? I don't understand this. It could have been such a great book if you just didn't add a chapter and a half. Okay, maybe a half a chapter if you really feel a need to put that in there, but an entire chapter and then a half. Just about that, about fantasies. You should just made it a porno book at that point because that's what it was becoming. And at least with the movie, you focus on the storyline. And no, no movie will ever be able to fit the full book in, but they did a great job of putting what they could in
0: that. Yeah, because usually when they film something, that's the tall order, right? How do you? Because within a book written form, the writers can basically write out what's playing behind the the person's motives, their thought processes, whereas on the big screen, you, you just see the action, the result of. So that's why I thought it was interesting that you kind of flipped those two around. Quite interesting.
1: So Jesse, before we close off, quickly. Oh, uh, we um, we got
0: one more from the crowd. Oh, we got
1: one more. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna read that one, Diego. If you want to do that one,
0: go ahead. Your last one from the crowd is manga: overrated or underrated?
2: I feel like it's underrated, honestly, just because yes, there's people out there that read it. I personally haven't read it, but I have family members that do, or have, and I think it's a good system. It's a good educational system. And yeah, there are sex ones, that. I'm aware of that. I grew up around it, but I think it's underrated. Right. Interesting.
1: See, now that's why I didn't, I wanted to do follow-up questions, but we're not going to do follow-up questions (laughs) about that topic. I just wanted to know, Jesse, I think everybody wants to know. So now Colorless is out. Uh, Where can people get it? If people are interested in purchasing your books, how can they get them? And how can they get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more or connecting with you?
2: Um, You can go directly to Amazon. Uh, It, weirdly enough, has you write my name. So J E S S I G R S E Y, And then you write Colorless. Or you can write Colorless first and then my name. And it should take you directly to the page. I'll send you guys the link. So plug it in there if you need it. And it should take you right now. I only have the Kindle version out. The Actual physical book should be out within a couple of days to a week, depending on Amazon. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go directly on TikTok and just press the email button and you'll get in direct contact with me right away. Or if you just want to send a tweet, I'm on Twitter at, at Jesse. Yeah, there's my TikTok handle. Can find me there you can talk to me on any social media platform i always have my inbox open so it's never closed i've had people reach out so if it's someone who's creepy i will absolutely block you but if you're someone genuinely questioning or looking for answers or interested in my services then i will absolutely be here for you i'm ready to talk but
1: awesome and of course one more question what can people look out for what's what's in store for 2023
2: my memoir and my YA young adult oh, my YA book my young adult book and the second one to super gay when they will be out i have no idea cuz i've only begun literally the first chapter of my memoir and the first chapter of my my young adult book but super gay the second one is pretty much almost fully written so that will be a Some point in 2023, I don't know when, but some point in 2023.
0: Well, the important thing is that people can look forward to more stories from Jesse.
2: (laughs) And a children's TV series, a Patreon page will be built. Oh, wow. And that's coming, but I guess that's in 2023 also. I already have my animation artists and we've been collaborating behind the scenes for over a year now.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Awesome. With that being said, we appreciate you coming on, Jesse, and especially sharing your story and, you know, especially the part on educating children with special needs and the importance of, you know, uh, showing that empathy and understanding uh, that everyone uh, has a different way of, you know, learning. And uh, yeah, it, it's just different. Uh, there's no good or bad. And we need to do more of that in the world, that uh, mutual understanding. Between people, with that being said, Jean-Luc, any closing words and then you can roll us out.
1: Yes, of course, Jesse, so much. Thank you so much for being our guest. It was a very fun episode, a very educational as well. We want to thank you for being our guest. We want to thank you, those listening to the live broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. And of course, as always, Social Confos will be available on all streaming platforms. This was Social Confos. See you back next week.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.